are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good show for today. We're going to actually talk about Live Golf. Maybe not at the start, but we're going to talk about Live Golf. We're going to talk a little NFL in terms of one of the releases yesterday. Not too surprising, but kind of the plight of this guy's career. We're going to talk about MVPs. And an NFL trivia question for you that you can share with your friends and impress them. We're going to talk a little more NBA. Lakers got some bad news after a big win against the Mavericks on Sunday. And then more on the Major League Baseball rule changes, including times of some of the games yesterday in spring training. I know that Major League Baseball was looking to cut about 10 or 15 minutes off some of these games. Uh, Judging by what we're getting in exhibition baseball we're getting like 30 to 40 minutes cut off these games we will get to that momentarily so we're going to start out today's podcast with a trivia question and the trivia question is this who are the only players ever to win a heisman trophy a national championship and a super bowl ring think about that heisman trophy National Championship, Super Bowl ring. We'd be like, man, that's got to be tough. Yeah, you're not going to get it right off the top of your head. But if you break it down, you first would start with the Heisman because so many more people have won a Super Bowl than have won a Heisman, and so many more people have won a National Championship than have won a Heisman. So you start at Heisman. Well, I can tell you in this answer, there's someone from the 70s, there's someone from the 80s, there's someone from the 90s, And there's someone from the early 2000s, between 2000 and 2010. So one every decade, starting in the 70s. And we almost had one this past football season. So let's start in the 70s. Tony Dorsett, 1976 Heisman winner for the Pitt Panthers, won a national championship, also won a Super Bowl with the Cowboys. Super Bowl twelve. In the 80s, Marcus Allen, 1981 Heisman winner, won the 1978 National Championship with USC, Super Bowl 18 winner. XVII, right? X is 10. Yeah, XVII, 18. Who won it in the 90s? Charles Woodson, 1997 Heisman Trophy winner, won the National Championship with Michigan. Won Super Bowl 45. That would be XLV, right? Because L is 50, and X before the L is you're taking 10 away, and then V is 5, right? (laughs) And then in 2005, Reggie Bush. 2005 Heisman Trophy winner, even though it's since been taken away from him. He was the national champion with USC in 2003, And then he won Super Bowl 44 with the Saints. We almost had one this past season. Devontae Smith won the Heisman Trophy with Alabama in 2020. Also won two national championships at Alabama, 2017 and 2020. And if the Eagles would have won the Super Bowl, he would have been number five. But we only have four. Marcus, Tony, Tony Dorsett, Marcus Allen, Charles Woodson, and Reggie Bush. Now, go impress your friends with that one. 
Towards the end of last year, I talked a little bit about some golf because we have this war going on with the PGA versus the Live Tour. And look, (laughs) you know my thoughts on the Live Tour. I just wish all these guys would just admit it's for the money and playing less. I get the Live Tour, and I get why people are signing there. However, I tend to lean more towards the guys who are later in their career, who know they can't compete on the PGA Tour, because most PGA Tour events, even though they've changed things up this year, they have cuts. If you're not in the top you know, 70 by Friday, when the tournament starts on Thursday, after two rounds, you make no money that week. And if you're constantly a guy that's fighting to make the weekend, you have expenses that you have to fly. You, the PGA doesn't pay for you to go to the tournament. Now, if you're someone like Tiger Woods, that's irrelevant. You know, a flight, <laughs> staying somewhere for four days, that's obviously irrelevant for Tiger Woods. But if you're a guy who's ranked number 100 in the world, you're fighting every week. And if you know you aren't as good as those guys and Live Tour wants to pay you guaranteed money to only pay 16 events a year and three-day tournaments, of course you're going to take it. My issue was always with, I can't believe some of these guys that are good, that have won majors on the PGA Tour, that really sold out for the money. Look, I know Phil's been outspoken, but I get why Phil went over there. He's never going to win on the PGA Tour again. And they're giving him, allegedly, $200 million just to go over there. And then whatever money he makes on the tour, of course he's going to take it. Apparently he's got $200 million in gambling debt, too. No, I don't know how what his gambling debt is, but uh, people kind of know that Phil is apparently down on his money. But guys like Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka, who the rumor is he's heading back to the PGA Tour if he can. I don't see I don't get why those guys do it. I almost feel like man, I don't get what your motivation is now. It seems like you have no motivation. That's why you went to the Live Tour. You don't want to have to compete against the best every week. I'm sorry. There's no other reason for Dustin Johnson to go play on the Live Tour. Yes, you could say, Steve, he's made all the money in the world. He's set for his life. His kids are set. His kids, kids, kids are set. I get it. He's made a ton of money. But when you're that good at golf, don't you want to play against the best every week and not play in three-day tournaments against not good competition that's barely seen on television? They didn't even have a TV contract last year. They do now. The CW airs live tournaments. And a lot of markets that have the CW, they've chosen not even to air it. You know what it drew this past weekend's tournament, the first tournament of the season for the Live Tour? A .2 rating. The Bachelor on Monday nights draws a .8. So they're not even drawing any money whatsoever. Nobody's watching them. Nobody cares what happens on the Live Tour. ESPN isn't running any stories about, hey, PGA Tour was in L.A. this weekend for the Genesis Open and on the Live Tour. No, they're covering the PGA Tour. And they should. And I, I look, there's going to be people that, I, like I said, I don't fault the players for going, but don't ex- 
if if your choice was to go to that tour, why do you care about what the PGA does? You've chosen, you've made your choice. I'm going to go play over here. So why are you upset that the PGA Tour won't let you play in their tournaments? It makes no sense to me. If you're so happy with the Live Tour, what do you care about the PGA Tour for? You went to the Live Tour for money. You went to the Live Tour to play less golf. They have 16 tournaments a year. Or maybe it's 14. It's not more than 16, I know that. But they play ungodly amount of money, and they give you appearance fees just to show up, which doesn't happen on the PGA Tour, and that's why these guys are jumping. For people that don't understand it, PGA Tour you is pay for play. You have to finish in the top 50, 70 every week. You have to make it to the weekend to get paid. If you finish dead last after four days, you still make some money. It's not great, but, I mean, it's not great for a, a professional athlete. But the Live Tour is literally doling out hundreds of millions of dollars just to bring guys over, thinking that they're going to have some sort of important tour that will eventually compete with the PGA, and I just don't see it. They're losing money. And the thing is, it's it's being funded by the Saudis, who have all the money in the world. It's not making any money whatsoever. Have you seen the crowds at some of these live tournament events? They play music. It's not even... It's, it's beer league golf is what it is. And I just... I don't see the appeal. I don't get why some of the superstars went over there. But it's their choice. It's their life. Just, if you're going to go over there, you shouldn't have anything to say about the PGA Tour, and you shouldn't be bothered that you can't play on it. <laughs> you made your choice. Go play over there. Point two rating on the CW. I mean, come on. If any of you turned your channel to the CW this weekend, please raise your hand to watch Live Tour Golf. Oh, I don't see any hands up. Something I talked about last week when we were talking about NBA MVPs, and I said, look, the best player on the best team in the Western Conference is Nikola Jokic. He's averaging a triple-double, and he's the two-time defending NBA MVP. How do you not give it to him a third year in a row when his team is better than they were in the two years that he won it the previous two seasons? And he's averaging a triple-double, something he didn't do in the two years that he won the MVP. How do you not give it to him? And it's just, you might think it's crazy, but the bottom line is it's not because we've seen how this happened. Is it? Is it pretty, I mean, you can argue it. Michael Jordan is the best player in the history of the NBA. He's either 1 or 1A, him and LeBron. Obviously, we, we've had this debate. I'm not going to sit here and debate which one. But we know that MJ is either 1 or 1A. Well, MJ won five MVPs in the 15 years that he played. You're telling me 10 years he wasn't the MVP of the league? So see what I mean? It's voted on by people who probably just get sick of it after a while. Like, well, he's the best player, but he's not the MVP. Well, the other thing is the people who vote don't have a criteria. It's their own personal criteria of what constitutes an MVP. If you took that player off the team, would the team be any good? Well, that's probably the case for most of these guys. So I don't think that's a good criteria. Yes, the Denver Nuggets wouldn't be the best West team in the Western Conference anywhere close if Nikola Jokic wasn't on the team. But you could say that for any of the guys that are up for MVP. Do you think the Sixers would be as good if Joel Embiid wasn't playing for them? Do you think the Bucks would be as good if Giannis wasn't playing for them? Of course not. So what is the definition 
of an MVP. Nobody knows. So when you have sports writers that vote on the MVP, it's their own personal biases that come into play. And that doesn't seem to be a way we should be voting for the MVP. LeBron James, arguably, right? One or one A in the history of the game, best players. He's won four MVPs in 20 years. You're telling me 16 years he wasn't the best player in the league? So it's like, well, what is it? Is it best player? Is it most valuable to your team? It just, there's no definition. That's why we can never come to an agreement on something like this. Is it most dominant? When Shaq was in his prime, he was the most dominant player in the NBA. Why didn't he win the MVP every year? You couldn't stop him. He was unguardable. You would think somebody that was unguardable in the NBA would be the MVP every year, right? Wrong. He didn't win it every year. So that's why I hate these subjective votes. Because it's like, I, I don't know. I know Nikola Jokic should win the MVP this year. But if he doesn't win it, you can point to the fact that it's just voter fatigue. That is the reason he's not winning it. The last two years that he won it, he did not average a triple-double, and the Denver Nuggets were not the best team in the Western Conference. And yet he still won the MVP. And here we are this year. He's got both of those things in his back pocket. A triple-double, average, and the best team in the Western Conference. You're telling me he's not he's not the MVP? He definitely is. It just voters don't be like, oh, it's just too easy. It's like they don't want to vote for him because it's too easy. Okay, but we're talking about history here. Maybe it is the fact that they don't want to put him in the same class as Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, and Larry Bird, the only three guys to ever win three consecutive MVPs. But that shouldn't be a criteria. Vote for the MVP. But like I said, the problem is there is no definition for MVP. It's everyone's own personal bias. The Los Angeles Lakers had themselves quite an interesting Sunday. I did not attend the game. I'll be there tonight against the Indiana Pacers. But the Lakers were down 27 points in the second quarter to the Dallas Mavericks on Sunday and then just steamrolled them the rest of the game and ended up winning in the end. And they moved to three games under 500 for the season. However, if you watch the game, LeBron seemed to hurt his foot, something that's been injured for the last week or two. Now they're saying it looks like he's going to be out indefinitely. He's definitely out for tonight's game against the Memphis Grizzlies. And look, there's about 21 games left for the Lakers. They probably need to go 14-7 and to at least just make it into the play-in game. And they're now saying LeBron could be out for weeks. I mean, talk about a roller coaster. I mean, the Lakers, you heard me say it on this podcast a month ago, the Lakers stunk. They were terrible. And then the trade deadline came, and they really improved their team. They absolutely improved their team. Improved it to where they were going to win a championship this year? No. But improved it to where they could maybe get to the second round, possibly Western Conference Finals. That would probably be a reach. But I think it's possible they could have made some noise and it's a team you definitely didn't want to play if they were all healthy. So, but now it looks like LeBron's going to miss weeks unless he just says, screw it, I'm not going to take this chance. I know my team needs me, and I will play on a bum foot for the rest of the season because I don't want to waste a year of possibly not getting in the playoffs. But this looks to be fairly serious and something he's probably going to have to have surgery on at the end of the year, if I had to guess. 
Based on his reaction, he said he heard something pop. His foot was clearly limping at the end of the game on Sunday, and now he's out indefinitely. They said it looks like he could be missing weeks. Well, shit, there's only 21 games left in the season. The season's over, I think, in five weeks. First week of April, maybe second week of April. If he misses multiple weeks, how many games has he even got left in this season that he would play? We don't know yet. I guess they're still evaluating him, but shit. Right when the things are looking better for the Lakers, I think they've been they think they're four and one since the trade deadline. And the one game they lost was the day after the trade where those guys weren't even ready to play yet. So they technically haven't lost a game with all the new guys they got in the trades. But if LeBron's out for weeks, as what's being reported, not good for the Lakers. And they'd be lucky to get into the play in game. And finally, wanted to talk about some football. Carson Wentz was released yesterday with two years remaining on his contact contract by the Washington Commanders. The reason the Commanders did it, because it saves them $26 million against the salary cap this year. Even though he had two years left, he had no guaranteed money left. So it does not count. He's a free agent. He can sign wherever he wants. The only coach he was ever good under was Frank Reich who's now the head coach in Carolina. So it seems like Carson's going to end up there, but probably be a backup. You talk about a guy that has had just a very, very weird career. Came out of North Dakota State, very high draft pick, and was one of those first quarterbacks out of North Dakota State when they kept producing, winning all those national championships for Division II and producing quarterbacks. Trey Lance came out of there. Um. Who else? Somebody else. Easton Wick, but I don't think he's in the NFL. But it was like, wow, this guy can make some noise in the NFL. Went to the Eagles in 2017, was having an MVP-type year, gets hurt on a quarterback sneak of all things, out for the year after hurting his leg, Nick Foles takes over, and Philly wins a Super Bowl. So you're just like, well, shit, what do we do now? And so he's been injury prone. Two years ago, he was on the Colts. Threw 27 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Yet absolutely gagged in the last game of the season to the Jacksonville Jaguars, one of the worst teams in the NFL two years ago. And because of that, they didn't make the playoffs. By the way, if you want to mark it in your calendars for next year's NFL the Colts and the Jags are in the same division, so they each play each other twice a year, once in Jacksonville and once in Indianapolis. The Colts have now lost to the Jaguars because they lost again this year. I think it was 38 nothing. They have lost in Jacksonville 11 years in a row. Like, mark it in your calendars. Whoever, I don't care who the hell the quarterback is for the Colts, and we know now Jacksonville, and in, in all those games, I'm assuming the Colts were favored. Well, now... One, we don't even know who the Colts quarterback is as of right now going into next season. And two, we know Jacksonville is one of the up-and-coming teams in the AFC, so they'll probably be favored. But, yeah, 11 years in a row the Colts have not beaten the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I'm guessing they were favored in probably 9, 10, if not all 11 games, and they lost them all. They just – Jacksonville is a house of horrors for the Indianapolis Colts. So whenever they play them there next year, mark it in your calendars, bet against the Colts. So – he gets traded in the offseason because they got one year of Wentz, and that was enough. 
They trade him to the Commanders again. It's like he's got the tools, but he just has not produced. It's been, I mean, I I don't want to say Carson Wentz's career is over, but he is now a career backup. He would have to somehow elevate into the starting lineup because of an injury and absolutely blow doors, but he hasn't shown he has the ability to do that since 2017. He's had five years to show he's a starting quarterback in the NFL, and he's failed. So, unfortunately, Carson, I think you're going to be a backup for the rest of your career. You'll probably get a spot start here and there. And even if you have a couple good games, it just doesn't seem like this guy can consistently do it. And it's just kind of weird because he was a guy that everybody was all over, and he was in the running for MVP in 2017. He was that good. And he has just fallen off an absolute cliff. And... I don't know if anybody can pinpoint why. Anyway, thank you very much for listening. Really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. Tell people about the Sports Daily. Tell them to tune in. Send them the link. Whatever you need to do. Let's get everybody listening to this thing. And uh, we'll obviously keep it going as long as we can. So thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.